Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to do the chairs and all the setup, but I think it all came together nice. Um, welcome, online community. We're so glad you could be a part of Grape Top Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Um, Today we're going to be continuing our series in the agony of worship. The agony of worship. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this week for a lot of people has been tough. Just uh, almost like random things seem to all happen at once. And when those, it's one thing when you have like one problem, but then it's like one problem after another. To where it's almost like peculiar, like the whole universe is against you this week. And our title today is What Could Go Wrong? What Could Go Wrong? You ever say that before and then like people kind of look at you like that's enough? <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, or maybe you've ever said, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> um, I like to say that in really extreme times because Lauren, uh, it's funny to me, but it's not funny to Lauren. Because um, she's a hypochondriac, so she immediately thinks of what the worst is that could happen. But I want us to look at a story, and it's a really popular story. It's, it's the moment where Paul and Silas were imprisoned, and they're known for singing praises and hymns at midnight, and it's, a, it's just this you know, mir- miraculous moment. But I want us to look at what was happening before all of this agony in their life. We're gonna start off in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 5. And we're going to read a good bit, so just stay with me. I'll try to use my good storytelling voice. So the churches were being strengthened in faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the... I usually can say names so good. See, what could go wrong? The Phrygian and Galatian region, after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia... They were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately sought to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So after setting sail from Choaz, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and all the, on the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city to the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were spending some days in this city, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were thinking that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the woman who had assembled. A woman named Lydia was listening, and she was a seller of purple fabrics from the city of Thyatira, and a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Now when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she, and she prevailed upon us. Now I want us to stop right here for a moment and look at this, this story. It seems like this 
just everything is going right in this story. At first, they had this moment of like uh, loss of direction, like, well, if we're not supposed to go to Asia, where are we supposed to go? God gives them a vision so clear. This man from Macedonia saying, come here, come here. It's like, how much more clear could you want? Have you ever asked God for a sign? Bam, the perfect sign, most clearest sign ever. They get there, and it, and not only be, besides all of the vision and everything, it says at the beginning that people were being added to the church daily. They were having so much success in what they were doing. Everything that they were touching was just winning. They have this vision. They get there. They're kind of nervous, like, oh, hopefully, you know, this God, God's with us. You know, we prayed up, and they get there, and not only. Uh, is everything going good as far as them preaching and people being brought to Christ? But just a couple days in, they're like, well, let's try to go to this, this place to pray by the river. And, and it's almost like these divine setups, these divine connections to where they meet someone. And not only does she and her whole household get baptized, but she offers them like lodging. Before this point, they're most likely sleeping outside. And so it seems like everything is just falling into line. You ever have that happen before where it's like almost spooky? You're getting goosebumps just thinking about it and everything right is happening. And it's like one coincidence after another. And you're like, oh my gosh, God, you are so good. You made all, the, it's like a miracle that this is all working out. And it just seems like green lights, success, winning, everything good is happening on this trip. And it divine appointments, everything good. And then it says it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave woman who had a spirit of divination met us. Just to be clear, spirit of divination, that's talking about uh, palm reading, tarot cards, future telling, a psychic. That's what divination is who was bringing great profit to her masters by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us and cried out repeatedly saying, these men are bondservants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation. Now she continued doing this for many days, for many days. At first it was cute, but then many days of her just following them around, shouting that over and over, these men are the most high God. Giving you the good, the good news of salvation. But Paul was greatly annoyed. Some of y'all are thinking about work right now. Greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. So just out of the drop of a hat, Paul decides to cast out a demon of this girl. Just, just because... And I want us to take a step back and understand some extra credit stuff. The, the point that it's showing, a, a lot of, in our culture, we are like, we grow up, it's very common, especially from San Antonio, we grow up thinking that fortune telling, tarot cards, like this divination stuff, it's just like, it's a spiritual avenue that's okay to go to. We like, we like have, we're all into ghosts, we're all into like that one haunted hallway you know, everyone has a haunted hallway in their house at some point growing up that you have to run by as fast as you can to turn on the lights or it's going to get you. And we, we just have a natural upbringing of superstition if you're from San Antonio. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And our culture is so accustomed to tarot cards, fortune telling, 
psychics. I mean, you can not only can you just find a psychic at like on the on whatever street corner, but you can just find one on Facebook Live now. You can find it on TikTok. I've seen people like sharing tarot cards on TikTok. I'm like, whatever, uh, hey, whatever pays the electricity, right? <laughs> but the fact that it shows that a demon came out of this girl, I want us to understand that even when we're trying to find like good fortune, going to an incredible source, a, a, a negative spirit, you're connecting yourself to that, that evil spirit. I mean, you're talking about a demon. There's not a nice demon. There's not a polite dem demon. There's only uh, sneaky demons and very upfront demons. Like ninja demons and then warrior armor wearing demons. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And don't be misled in thinking that, oh, it, it's no big deal. No harm can come from it. This is a demon that came out of this girl. It goes on to say, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was suddenly gone. What? There's, the whole motivation was profit? It wasn't just to give people good fortune? They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men, Jews as they are, are causing our city trouble. And they are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or to practice since we are Romans. The crowd joined in an attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now let's wait here for a moment. At first glance, don't you just think, Paul, why did you have to bother that poor girl? If he would have just left her alone, maybe they could have just kept going on and keeping on. I mean, it even sounds like she was trying to help them out, following them around, saying, these men are, are preachers of the Most High God. I want us to understand that an evil spirit that is what, whether you want to look at it as like possessing someone or someone that just has like an inclination to be influenced by uh, negative energy, negative spirits, whatever you want to call it. There's something about it that just desires to distract and heckle the message of God. Uh, this woman was heckling Paul and Silas as they were going around preaching the good news. Uh, imagine if we were here and there's just someone uh, within our group that was just shouting things randomly throughout the whole message. Would it not be a distraction? Even if they were uh, uh, seemingly agreeing with what we were saying, it would cause people to be so distracted to where they couldn't even hear the message being spoken. And see, the devil is so uh, cunning and coy like that to where he often will try to even appear as he's on your side when he's truly working against you. Look back in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent tricked Eve and Adam, what was what, was what he said, it, it almost sounded like he was trying to help her. That's what she thought. Well, and the reason he really doesn't want you to eat that fruit is because you'll be like God. See, he tries to make it seem as he's serving you, but he's really trying to enslave you. And the other point I want to make is not only was she uh, trying to take away from the gospel message being preached, this demon with inside this girl, but... You have to remember that scripture says that what fellowship does light have with darkness? And for Paul to, it, 
sometimes we look at evil as like a pet to keep in the room. And you have to understand that, that uh, like possums are not good pets. They, they will attack. They, they will attack you. They'll attack your kids. Uh, even if they seem nice at first, they, it's embedded in them to be vicious. Like it, there's certain animals that are just evil, <laughs> like mosquitoes. Uh, but what I'm getting at is never, never, ever is it a good idea to allow any evil to be a pet in your life. Never, even if it's a polite evil, well, it's not that bad. If, it, if it's just simply a darkness, you don't want to have it in your life. It's not healthy. It's toxic. If you were to, if you were to have a cup of clean water and you allowed somebody to just put a drop of sewage water in it, is the water still clean? No, of course not. It's disgusting now, even just from one drop. That's what it is like to allow evil around in your life. So it was necessary for Paul to cast this demon out, to get it out of the way, because it was if it wasn't making a, a, a destruction right then, it eventually would have, because the devil's plan is always to kill, steal, and destroy. So the, the final verse that we're reading today is, it says that they were in the inner prison. They just got beaten with rods. I mean, if you've ever gotten jumped before, that's one thing. But to be getting jumped by government officials, I mean, this is like authority figures beating them with rods. This is a terrifying experience. They're, they're afraid for their lives. And they're getting beaten. All the crowd wants them dead. And then they get thrown into inner prison, darkest part of the dungeon, and are locked in their feet in stock so that they, they have to remain standing. They can't even sleep at night the way that they're positioned. And at this point, it says, Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This is where we get the agony of worship. This is the whole, the whole series that we're trying to, to impact our spirits with, is that worship is not just a pretty time of singing and swaying, but the choice to worship is done the best in agonizing moments like this. Talking about everything wrong happened to Paul and Silas in a minute. In a moment. How many times have you been everything good was going and in one week it seemed like everything built up was torn down. You were five steps ahead and now you're three steps behind. And it seems like everything you were working on was just ruined in a moment. In a day. In a week. Maybe a month. And it it's like you, you get to a point where you even ask yourself, like, what next? What next is going to happen? We, we got kicked out of our last location. Right? We, we had to move to this location. While we were just setting up and, and packing up all the stuff at our, at our last location to bring here, we, we load up the whole truck, and right when we're ready to go, the AC doesn't work in the truck, by the way, and right when we're ready to go, I'm all hot, and bothered and not in the not in the sexy sense like hot and bothered like I'm irritated and all of a sudden the car the truck doesn't turn on the starters out it took like half an hour in the sun of going underneath the truck to hit the starter with the hammer you know trying different things finally get it started we get over here hour behind schedule it's hot our kids are going crazy and uh, everything is just irritable and we finally are about to leave load up the kids they're all mad and fussy 
We're like, let's just get home. We need to get home. Lauren comes running out of the, the car when we're about to pull out. Says, babe, babe. I come back. Says, Joy just got stung by a bee. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and so we're all freaking. We don't know if she's allergic. You know, we're all messed up. And we're just like, dang, like, we need to watch where we step. <laughs> like, we get home, we're going to step on a rattlesnake at this rate. And see, this is just like a small occurrence that I'm talking about. But you know, you know in your own life these moments where everything wrong seems to happen. Where it's almost like... This is weird. I want us to, to look at this idea that everything seemed right. Everything seemed right. Hold on to the vision God gave you when everything starts to go wrong. Notice how I didn't say if things start to go wrong. Hold on to the vision, the promise, the hope that God gave you when everything starts to go wrong. It is so easy to assume that the rest of your journey will be a highway of winning, of happiness, when you see the initial signs of success, when you see the initial signs of God leading you, when you start seeing those divine setups and coincidences where it's like, man, God is, like God is totally making this work. Everything is working out. Everything is right. And it comes as a complete shock and surprise when you run into these giant roadblocks of problems and obstacles all at once after feeling so right and confident about what you were doing. You felt so good about it, and now you just feel so confused. It's in these extreme times of adversity to remember and encourage yourself and what God first told you and showed you. Don't allow what's happening right now to distort what God did and said at the beginning. Don't allow what's happening right now to distort what God told you at the beginning. I say this all the time when we do marriage counseling, is that whenever we go through hard times in marriage and relationships, we always doubt how we got together. Couples always doubt how they got together. Well, you know what? We were so young and dumb. We should have never got married in the first place. We didn't date long enough. We didn't really know each other. We have, you, you always doubt the beginning. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, do not allow yourself to take away from the special moments of the start. The special moments of the beginning. No matter what it is. Not just marriage, but whatever it is that you set out to do. You have to know that that beginning was real. That start was true. Don't doubt it. Don't let what's happening right now distort what really happened at the beginning. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I'm never one to, I don't like to give the devil credit. And I think that we as Christians often give him too much credit. Like we, we get a flat tire and we're like, the devil. It's like, those tires didn't even be changed like three months ago. <laughs> Like, those were balding pretty bad. Like, you get a bad haircut, like, the devil is messing with me today. It's like, no, you went to Great Clips. Like, that, it just, like, no offense to Great Clips, but don't be surprised if, like, one time you go and it's, like, you got a newbie. <laughs> Someone's like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? I go to Great Clips. <laughs> great Clips is great. I go there when my kids are, are crazy. I, I go to Great Clips when I, when I need to. But what I... All that aside, we're, we're on a different topic, right? It's the devil. That's the devil trying to distract you from the message. It's, 
I want us to understand, maybe it's the devil. Sometimes everything going wrong is a sign that you're doing everything right. Sometimes everything going wrong is a sign that you are doing everything right. How many of y'all remember when you first gave your life to Christ? And you, you felt so good about it. And it seemed like just weird things started happening. And you started to question your faith. Like, maybe I'm not on the right track. It's like just bad stuff started happening. Maybe with your family. Maybe at work. And you're like, man, I'm trying to be right now. I'm trying to get myself right with God. I'm, I'm doing my best. And you're just like, it seems like everything wrong starts happening right when you made a change. Right when you were trying to do everything right. Maybe it is the devil. Maybe it's because you actually are on the right path and now you, you have a target on your back from the devil because he wants to destroy you. He does not want you to be on the right path. He wants you to be on the road to destruction. Maybe all of hell is coming against you because you're on the right track. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Even though we often feel alone in these problems, it's normal to run into problems. But sometimes when it is a horde of obstacles all at once, it could likely be a spiritual attack, an attempt to halt or deter what you are doing. It, when it's peculiar, when it's noticeable. I mean, like, yeah, the, the car breaking down, that, that happens to everybody. But today, y'all know what I'm talking about? It's those problems that are just happening one after another. Perhaps, just maybe, it's actually a spiritual attack. The devil is really out to get you. The devil does not want you to succeed, especially if God is leading you. He is cunning and elusive like a snake. He wants you to think, maybe I was wrong. That's, if you really think about it, those, those of you who went through that experience when you first gave your life to Christ, you're obviously on the right track now. You're getting right with God. And yet, all the problems make us think for a moment, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be getting closer to God. Do you not see how, how manipulative the enemy is to make us avoid common sense altogether and think that, that we should be away from God rather than closer to God? The devil wants you to think, maybe I didn't hear God right. And he especially wants you to think, maybe God doesn't want me to do this after all. Maybe it's God sending me all these problems. Maybe it's God wanting me to, to turn back. Even though I thought it was God leading me here in the first place, maybe I just didn't hear him right, and it's God who's wanting me to turn around. The devil would love to inspire that thought because he loves to try to pretend to be the voice of God. He wants to distract. He wants to deter. He wants to destroy, kill, and steal. And don't you imagine that if you really were fulfilling your purpose. You really were stepping into a, a great aspect of God into your life. W wouldn't the devil just want to steal that from you? Wouldn't he want to just destroy it? That's his nature. And so I want to just make it clear. The Bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against spirits, of, of prin demon princes that are attacking us in our lives. And so I encourage you, if you're going through 
that kind of hard season where it seems like you, you may well be very spiritually attacked, armor up yourself in the armor of God. The Bible says that we have a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth, shoes of peace, we, that He's given us a sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. You know, the most powerful tool that I think is most overlooked when it comes to the armor of God is the shield of faith. Because people don't realize that even if you didn't have any of the other armor, maybe just your helmet, you just got salvation, you don't have peace, you don't even have righteousness, you, you don't even know what truth is, but you have your helmet of salvation and this shield of faith. Do you know that that is enough to protect you? A shield can cover from shoulder to toe. Your helmet will be covered with salvation. And that shield of faith, it protects you from the things that you can't see. You can't see through a shield. It protects you from the things that you don't see, the things that you don't understand, the things that confuse you. You're able to hold up your faith and know that God is with you. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Armor up and pray and move forward. God is for you and not against you. So pray and move forward. And the last thing I want to say is who's listening to me? Ask yourself, who is listening to you? Because your praise and struggle gives hope to others who are also struggling. Your praise and struggle gives hope to others who are also struggling. Even though we often feel alone while we go through this adversity, don't you feel like you're the only one that's struggling with that? You're the only one that's going through something this hard, this specific. Even though you feel alone through that adversity and face as you face these extreme struggles, there are people all around you who feel just as stuck, who feel just as trapped, and who feel just as confused. You are not the only one confused. So many of us are confused. So many of us feel stuck. So many of us feel trapped. And it's in these dark times that we have the opportunity to reflect God's light the brightest. You know, it, it is it's so amazing how God uses allegories and, and just the prophetic to describe Himself to us. And the way that we are described as God's righteousness is that we are not righteous, but that we reflect Jesus' righteousness. We, refre we reflect His hope, His love. We, it, we are simply reflections of the love of God. It is just like how the moon has no light of itself, but it reflects a light, a fragment of the sun's light. That is how we reflect God's light, how we reflect His love. And your worship in darkness becomes a beacon, not only for your own soul, but for those around you. And they are looking and listening, and you will inspire hope and confidence in God by your public praise. And the only way that our public praise would be that much more meaningful is if we were transparent. How many times did you feel like you're the only one struggling? How many times did it feel like you were the only one falling? But truly, so many of us struggle with the exact same things, but because we live this Sunday suit life as Christians, we never reveal who we really are. It's impossible for us to know that the praise that we're giving is in struggle or in agony because we just pretend. We hide. But I believe that God has called us to live transparent lives 
all of the, the nitty gritty, the, the pretty and the ugly, both sides of ourselves, because it's only then that we can sharpen each other, that we can encourage each other. But if we continue to pretend and hide all of our struggles, how in the world would we ever get help from others? And how in the world will we ever encourage somebody else? Think in your own life, moments that you're going through a deep struggle and somebody opened up to you and told you how they were struggling with that at one point. And they're just them simply identifying with you and the pain that they experienced encouraged you. That's why AA is so, so successful, finds so much success, is because people can transparently share their struggles with one another without judgment. And it doesn't matter if you're nine days sober, nine hours sober, nine years sober, everyone is just transparent in that group without struggle. Imagine if we could just be a fragment of that transparency, without judgment, without fear of what people are thinking about you. How much praise would we be able to give God as we would live transparent like that? Look at this last verse I want to share. After it was said that they were in prison, they started singing praises to God. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains was unfastened. And the moments, these moments of struggle of adversity, when we choose to worship, they're turning points in which the devil plan, the devil's plans fail and fall. And the problems that shackled our progress often fall off when we choose to worship and glorify God anyway at the breaking point. It's this choice to break through and worship anyway that's determined by our faith. And I want to bring back this little demonic girl that we read about in the beginning. You know, the devil is, he constantly tries to trip us. He constantly tries to destroy us and, and uh, distract our plans. But notice that even as it seems like the devil's plans worked and getting Paul and Silas thrown into a prison, God used what the enemy planned, a weapon formed against them, to reach people that were unreachable. These people in the prison cells, they, they would have never heard the gospel message if it wasn't for Paul and Silas going through that brutal beating and being in prison. It wasn't God that sent that beating. It wasn't God that wanted them in prison, but he used their pain for a purpose. And I want to make it clear that God will use the pains that we've experienced and help us grow and find something better through it. It doesn't mean he sent us the pain, but he can make that pain into a purpose when we give it to him, when we choose to worship anyway. And look how how much exponentially greater the effects, the supernatural happened when they trusted God in the midst of that pain. I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to make an opportunity. There's a lot of us that have been going through different struggles and different pains. A lot of us might even feel that, that trapped feeling feeling confused you have all these questions and even right now you don't even know why you feel this way in your chest you, you feel all this build up in your chest you don't know if it's anxiety if it's stress you don't even know if it's just uh, God speaking to you you feel even confused in this moment and I just want to make an opportunity for each of us to have a moment 
an opportunity to simply come to God and say, I'm just laying it down before you. I want to take up this faith and put it in front of me and just say, I'm going to trust you. I want to worship you even though it doesn't seem like anything good is happening right now. And if you're here today and maybe you want to put your trust in God, you want to hold up this this faith as a shield, maybe even for the very first time, and you want to put your trust in Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He said He is, that He's the Son of God that died on the cross for our sins, and that He rose from the dead, that surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is that if you if you acknowledge God in your heart, if you have a conversation with Him and talk to Him, have a simple prayer and express what is going on between you and Him in this moment, surely you shall be saved. Have an authentic conversation with God. You don't need me to lead you through that prayer. You can talk to God yourself. You don't need any human being to connect you to God because Jesus already did that. All you need is this authentic moment to talk to Him yourself. Have that conversation with Him. And if you're here, and maybe you just need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. As I talked about all this adversity, all this struggle, you're just, it was hitting home to you because you've been going through it. And you just need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And you want to say, I want to worship God anyway. With every head bowed still and every eye still closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. I see all your hands. So God, right now I pray for your Holy Spirit to cause your presence to touch these people. I pray for your Holy Spirit to confirm that you are with them. And I pray whatever it is that they've been struggling with, I pray for it to be canceled out right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for pain to cease, for stress to silence, for anxiety to quiet. And I pray for hope to rise up in their heart. I pray for courage to rise up within themselves. And even though they have not received any other news than what has already happened, I pray for an encouragement of the Holy Spirit, of confidence of things working out for good. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to do a supernatural work in their lives and that you turn their their adversity around. Turn the things that seem like they were coming against them and turn them to weapons for them. And I just pray, God, that you would build up your church today and bless them right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you confirm your Holy Spirit and let them feel your presence and your peace fall over them right now. A real peace, a real peace to come over them right now in the name of Jesus. That they would feel it, feel it from their head, across their shoulders, down their back, a, a peace coming over their shoulders. And that they would feel truly inwardly better at this moment because of your supernatural peace. I thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to get ready to have a moment of worship. And in this moment of worship, I I want us to, to know that it's in these moments that we choose to worship that's these connection points to God. And I want us to look at one last scripture on the screen. And it's this, go all the way forward. There we go. That one right there. Thanks, Trey. 
It's in John 4.23. It's like schizophrenia, right? That, this slide. This, this slide is saying, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. I always like to share this verse before we get into worship because there's so many things that, that happen in our week. There's so many things that happen in our lives that convince us we're disqualified from connecting with God in this moment. But this scripture says that God, our Heavenly Father, is looking for those who will connect with Him in spirit and in truth. It's just saying if you're looking for God with an authentic heart, you'll find Him. And so as we get ready to do that, I want you to know that there should be nothing to hold you back. Don't allow anything that's happened, no matter what happened this weekend, this past week, nothing should stop you in this moment from connecting with the love of God. With that being said, we're going to sign off online. Thank you all for being a part. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.